Hello, hello. We are almost live. 10 more seconds. <laughs> then we can officially start this podcast. Hello, everyone. If you're hopping on here, please go ahead and say hello in the comments. Amy says, I'm just in time for the world's longest yard sale. Amy, where's that? Hey, Jody. Hey, Mary. Hi, Heather. Hi, Paulette. <laughs> hello, hello. So if you're joining us live, this is episode number um, 28, maybe. <laughs> episode number 28 of the It's All Clutter podcast, where I talk about all things related to clutter. Hi, Carol. I'm glad you're here and you can finally make comments. Excellent. Hey, Julie and Pat and everyone who's joining live. So today we are talking about a topic that comes up a lot, and I've never really thought too much about it, but in Clutter Boss Academy, one of my amazing coaches recently did an incredible lesson about the psychology of secondhand shopping, and I just had to kind of take this and what she did and run with it because it's really fascinating, and I wanted to share it with you guys today. So the psychology of secondhand shopping who here loves secondhand shopping? That can be yard selling, that could be going to Goodwill, um, any thrift stores really, just uh, Facebook Marketplace, eBay, <laughs> Craigslist. Who loves secondhand shopping? Give me a thumbs up <laughs> or a heart or a comment if you are on here live and you enjoy the thrill of bargain hunting. And it's so interesting that we call it bargain hunting because there is a an absolute connection between a, our innate human nature to hunt and hunting for a sale. So this is another one of those things that really goes back to our hunter-gatherer lifestyle, right? When we had to hunt to feed ourselves, uh, and we had to kind of go on that thrilling chase to find our food. Secondhand shopping is very psychologically similar to hunting. And this is something that I never really thought about before. So if this is resonating with you, let me know. It's just so, I mean, it's so sort of fascinating. We even call it bargain hunting, right? We have the word hunt is right in there. So, so interesting. Um, I made, I've been doing a little bit more research on this and I've made, you know, a, a list here of different reasons why people secondhand shop um, and then how to know if it's a problem for you, which you might already know, <laughs> but I'm going to give you some specific ways that you can assess if your secondhand shopping is getting to become more of an addiction and less of a pastime, and then what you can do to still secondhand shop, but live within your means and not add more clutter into your house. Because one big problem with secondhand shopping is that the end result is often something you didn't intend to buy, might not have space for, and becomes a piece of clutter in your house. So, Consumer responsibility is a huge, huge reason that people cite their desire to secondhand shop. And I can totally relate to this one as well. I think it is 100% more socially responsible to buy secondhand. 
period. Uh, the more that we can do to reduce the amount of stuff that is being produced in this world, the better it will be for our environment. I make the argument all the time that consuming less or buying used is way more environmentally responsible than recycling because we don't have any control over recycling, right? So we don't actually know if things get recycled. We have very little control over the, the process once you send something to a recycling center or a landfill. Um, but we can t absolutely make better environmentally friendly, socially conscious choices at the beginning of the buying process. And that's where secondhand shopping is absolutely a win. So there's a lot of identity involved in this, right? Like I am a, I say, okay, so here are some identities that can be connected to secondhand shopping. I save my family money by shopping secondhand, or I make my family money by shopping secondhand and reselling what I find. I consume products responsibly. I'm a responsible, socially ethical consumer, right? That's a huge identity that we're talking about. I am awesome at finding great deals. This is another big identity. Uh, I have my own unique style. So this is another, you know, what I wear says so much about who we are and how we identify in this world. And secondhand shopping can totally be part of that, um, that identity that you have your own unique style and you have to go on the hunt to find the perfect pieces for your style. So there's a lot of identity mixed up, wrapped up with secondhand shopping. So who can relate to one of those identity statements? And if there's one that I didn't share that resonates with you, go ahead and post it in the comments. So is, you know, do you have a certain identity that connects you with secondhand shopping? And then of course, there's a psychology of going on the hunt for something, bargain hunting. And then there's also, this isn't really talked about in the literature so much, but, um, but one thing that I kind of came up with as I was researching this is there's this idea of winning, right? So when you find that great deal, you are, you're winning. Like you've, you've beaten out everyone else to that one item, because usually there's only one item, uh, one of each thing, right? You found it and you are the winner. So I think in addition to this idea that you're hunting, you're on the hunt, right? You're like, you're, you have that thrill, that excitement that you're going to find the perfect something. Oftentimes we don't even know what we're shopping for. Um, and then when you find it, you're, you won, you won the race, you won the competition, you're the winner, right? So I think there's a big psychological component there as well. Like, like you did it, <laughs> you can celebrate and you can reward yourself by making a purchase. Right? So there's like you win, you find something, and now you have the reward of purchasing this thing that you found that you didn't even know you were looking for. So the hunt, the winning. <laughs> Jen says, yes, winning. Suzanne says, I love the hunt. So what do we do with this? How can we sort of decide if this is a net positive in your life or if it's become more of a net negative? Is 
secondhand shopping and the drive to purchase something to go on that hunt to win, to find the best deal, to be the most socially responsible consumer, is that pushing you towards a home that's full of clutter and towards a lot of debt? Because even though secondhand shopping can save you money, and that might be a justification for secondhand shopping, if you don't have the money or if you're spending more than you have, you're gonna go into debt regardless of where you're shopping. So, <laughs> Jen says it's an unhealthy high. Uh, Anne, whose last name is Hunt, says I am the Hunt. <laughs> That's funny. Rebecca says I used to do that, but I realized it's not a great deal if I'm not using it. I'm losing money. Whenever I see a deal, I think of what I already have. Yes, Rebecca, totally. So let me ask you these questions so that you can start to make an assessment in your life and decide if secondhand shopping is becoming a little bit too much of an addictive behavior. Number one, do you choose to shop when you're sad or angry? That's not, that's like going to the grocery store when you're hungry, right? Never a good idea. Do you hide purchases from other people in your house? Now, you could do this and not be addicted to shopping, but if, you know, if you're saying yes to a lot of these questions, it might be time to rethink secondhand shopping. Um, Do you, okay, my sister-in-law told me once, that the difference between a want and a need is a sale. Do you subscribe to that mindset that you have to buy it if it's on sale just because it's on sale? Do you frequently forgot what you've purchased? This would be another red flag, right? You go, you buy something and then you put it on a shelf in a closet and you completely forgot that you purchased it. How about this one? This one came up in a coaching call last night and this is, I love this one. Do you repurchase things that you've sold that you've donated to a secondhand store? <laughs> I love, I think that's like one of my favorites. And I know I actually have a friend who has done that a couple of times. Um, so these are all signs that maybe the thrill of the hunt and the desire to win is becoming more of the motivator than actually getting something that you need in your house. So when you go secondhand shopping, how can you still experience this joy of hunting and winning? And, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> how can you still experience this joy, uh, but also make it an experience that you then come home and don't have a lot of regret for buying something? Number one, if you're gonna go to a secondhand store, if you're gonna search on Amazon Marketplace, or uh, I'm sorry, on Facebook Marketplace, or Craigslist, or you're gonna, you know, go to a garage sale, know what you're looking for. So oftentimes we don't have a list when we go shopping. So definitely write a list, like what exactly are you looking for? Stick to your list. Keep cash, pay only with cash. So have a cash budget, especially if you feel a lot of negative uh, emotions, regret, guilt after you come home because you've spent so much money, carry cash and stick to your budget. Ask yourself, do I need this item? Do I even want this item? So sometimes, um, I, and I found this was interesting also, you know that it can be a problem if what you buy is less important to you than how much of a deal it was. So if you're buying something because it's a great deal and not because you actually need or want it, that's a sign that maybe you shouldn't buy it, right? So ask yourself, do I need this? Do I want this? Am I buying this 
because it's a great deal or because I actually want this in my house. The next question is, do I have space for this? So anything clutter is anything that comes into your house without having a purpose and a home before you buy it. So if you purchase anything ever and you bring it home without knowing where it's going to live and what you're going to do with it, how you're going to use it, when you're going to use it, it starts off its time in your house as just another piece of clutter. So that's really important to keep in mind. Do I have a home for this? Do I have a need and a purpose for this? Will I use this? Uh, or am I just picking this up? It's a piece of clutter already and bringing it into my house and adding to my clutter, right? Um, if it's something that you're going to sell, so you're purchasing it with the intention to resell it, ask yourself, will I be disappointed if I don't make you know, X amount of money on this? Because oftentimes we overvalue how like the amount that we can sell something for. So if you say you find a purse and you think you can sell it for $100 and you're paying $20 for it, I would say cut that $100 in half and ask yourself if you're comfortable only getting $50 for it, right? So like adjust your expectations because the value of everything in this world is less than we think it is because there's so much stuff in the world. So the more stuff we have in the world, the less valuable everything comes. In an effort to justify what we purchase at secondhand stores or garage sales, we overvalue the item, right? So, so start undervaluing it and seeing how that feels. Um, and also how quickly are you gonna sell it? So not how much, not only how much money are you gonna sell it for, but how quickly are you going to sell it? So if you can't sell this within a week, is it worth storing in your house for more than, you know, a couple of days? Because your house is not a storage unit. This goes back to another podcast that we had. Your home is not a storage unit. Uh, so are you gonna bring this into your house and turn your house into a storage unit to make $30? Um, is that, you know, <laughs> is that worth it? Keely says, um, I'm remembering the term cute. And this is a great term that came out in the last boot camp that we did. If you find yourself saying, oh, that's so cute. It would look great in my house. Remember that cute stands for can't use this ever. So anytime you catch yourself saying, oh, that's so cute. Just remember, can't use this ever, <laughs> right? Can't use this ever. Um, so nothing cute. Don't bring anything cute into your house. You have no, if you have no space for it, no use for it, it's cute on the shelf also in the store. It doesn't need to be cute on, on your shelf in your house because that cute thing is gonna have to be decluttered one day and you're gonna have to go through the stress of knowing that you purchased it, spent money on it, spent time on it. You're gonna have to take care of it. How cute is anything that has to be taken care of? Okay, so in the, this lesson that my incredible coach Colleen did in Clutter Boss Academy, she came up with a strategy and a term to help you still enjoy shopping, but not come home with a lot of stuff. So in addition to using cash, knowing what you're going there for, she coined this term catch and release. And I think that this is absolutely brilliant. If you love the hunt, right? If you love just going shopping for that, just that time alone, that like 
being in your zone, searching for something, if that experience feels awesome to you, but then you come home and you feel a lot of guilt about what you've purchased, catch and release. Fill up that cart and then let it go, right? It's just like fishing, catch and release. Do not take that stuff home with you. Enjoy the experience, 100%. Go there, enjoy the experience, you know, enjoy the thrill of the hunt. But as you're catching, putting stuff into your cart, know that you don't need to take anything home with you, right? You've had the experience. You don't need to justify spending time shopping, which is something that you like to do, by purchasing something. It is okay. I'm giving you permission right now. It is okay to take time and go shopping because you need a mental break from life. That is totally okay and acceptable. You go into the store, you don't even know where the time goes because you're just finally in your zone. You do not need to justify that by taking, by buying stuff and taking stuff home. You can just have that experience for the sake of having that experience. So catch and release, that is Colleen's term for going shopping and not coming home with stuff. And Colleen reminded everyone in this lesson that, you know, sometimes people feel guilty for walking out of a store and just leaving a cart full of stuff. And you know what? That's okay. If that's what you need to do to get through the next three days, nobody is lying awake at night, and this, these are her words, thinking about that cart that you left. It's just part of the job, right? So catch and release. And just a side note, a little plug for Colleen. If you're local to the Capital District, Colleen has been training with me to become a professional organizer. She is available to come to your house and work. If you are looking for somebody to do in-house work with you, contact me and I will connect you with her. She is phenomenal. Um, just a little plug for Colleen because she's amazing. The other, my last bit of advice is to use positive peer pressure. So you know, you always have that friend that love, that you call when you need retail therapy. Again, we call it retail therapy because it's therapeutic to go shopping. That's okay, right? We don't need to justify it with a purchase. Anyway, you always have that friend that, you know, that you call for retail therapy. Well, how about finding friends who you can call on for something else, either who understand catch and release or who will engage in an activity that will help you get that same therapeutic benefit without going into a store. Who's your walking buddy, right? Who is your yoga buddy? Who is your going out for coffee buddy? Who is your going out for lunch buddy? Who is your sit on the phone and chit chat and just, you know, gossip away for a little bit? Who is that person? That that type of surrounding yourself by people who are not going to encourage you to do something that you're going to regret later will make a huge difference in your ability to follow through on your goals of not adding more clutter and not adding more debt to your life. Um, it's just like the same idea of, you know, if you struggle with alcohol, you know, you don't want to call the buddy who loves going to bars. You, you want to call the friend who will go on a walk with you. Um, so find your your people that you can rely on for activities that are more healthy for you. Um, okay. Did I miss anything on here? Um, <laughs> I'm just going to go through the comments quickly. Yeah. Cute. 
<laughs> can't use this ever. Um, yeah, a lot of people aren't shopping, aren't doing any secondhand shopping right now because of COVID. So that's, you know, uh, interesting too. <laughs> Allison, <laughs> you're here for a reason, right? <laughs> oh, Shira says, remember shipping costs keep increasing and seller fees do too. So if you're not doing a local sale, it's easy to lose a lot of money. So that's really true. If you're selling on eBay or something like that, or using like a, a third party selling app, oftentimes the amount that you're actually going to make, so say you're selling that purse for $100, there's going to be fees for listing it. There's going to be fees for shipping it, you know, so your profit margin is being cut into everywhere. Um, that's a really good point to keep in mind. Yep. Looking is good. Mary says a need versus a want is difficult to define. That's so true, Mary, because you know what? Advertisers really tell us that everything that they're selling is a need, it's a need you didn't even know that you had, right? And I go, I always have this classic example of the neck firming cream. So <laughs> there's advertisements for neck firming cream, right? And the whole idea behind this advertisement is that it's identifying something that you never even knew that you needed and suddenly it's a desperate need. So you see the perfectly firm neck in the advertisement and you had no idea that you needed neck firming cream, but now because of this advertisement that you saw, you're convinced that your neck could be firmer. So <laughs> um, what do we need in life? Food, water, and love and shelter, right? Those four things. Um, anything above and beyond that is really a want. So that might be the most basic definition, but sometimes we have to dial back to the basic definitions to get to, to, to reset our baseline. Um, oh, and Mary also says, sometimes it's fun to shop your own stuff. Absolutely. And that is a great thing to do when you're decluttering. Shop in your own closet. Um, Jen says, I don't think I can catch and release, so I guess it's better not to go into that bar if I can help it. So absolutely, Jen. I mean, I think depending on what level you're at, like you know you, if catch and release is too difficult for you, if going into a bar and having a non-alcoholic drink is too difficult for you, then avoid the store, avoid the shopping, avoid the bar, right? Uh, so 100% definitely know yourself um, and know what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Um, Carol says, this pandemic has limited our shopping opportunities, which made me realize I don't really need anything at all. Absolutely. Yeah, you need very little. Um, Anka says, since decluttering, I haven't wanted to shop. I've been shopping in my house. Yes, totally. It's It feels so good. And Amy says, needs are the basics that you cannot live without. Boring, but true. Yes, boring, but true. <laughs> Food, water, shelter, love. Those are the, the four things that you need. I, Okay, I'm not a psychology major, but you know, there's that hierarchy of needs, right? Um, start at the bottom. <laughs> Let's make sure the basic needs are met. And then above and beyond that, will it feel better to have more stuff in my house or more money in my bank account? It's a very simple, you know, way to look at it that way too. Um, 
Cornelia says, I'm so bad with buying something that is cute, taking it home and then returning it. I waste a lot of time doing that. Catch and release in the store may help me. Yes. Yeah, returning. Oh, and returning is such a miserable experience. It can be such a miserable experience also. So this is another thing to keep in mind. If you're going to bring something home and then there's a good chance you're going to return it, do you want to spend your precious time your non-renewable resource going back to the store and dealing with the, re the return process. Personally, I hate returning things. I hate it. I hate waiting in the line. I hate talking to the, the, the salespeople, finding the receipt. I hate the whole thing. I so strongly dislike returning things that that is actually a reason that I don't buy stuff. Also, I have heard, and I don't know how true this is, but I mean, I think it's definitely true. I don't know, like, if it's true everywhere or just in some places. Like, when you return stuff to um, an online retailer like Amazon or wherever, they throw out returns. So I know, um, now, again, I don't know if this is true across the board, but I do know that in a lot of places, returns get tossed. So that's something to keep in mind, too. If you are shopping you know, secondhand shopping. Now this would, okay, this isn't secondhand shopping, but if social responsibility is a big reason that you're shopping and you are justifying buying something because you'll probably return it, you're just going to take it home and see if you want to keep it. Oftentimes returns are tossed. So there is nothing socially responsible about returning stuff in some cases. Um, Shira says, take a photo, sleep on it for 24 hours. If you still want it, go back and buy it. Chances are you won't want to return. But returning to buy versus returning to return isn't as bad. Yes, I agree with that entirely. Doesn't always work secondhand, but if, the re if you return and it's gone, then it's not meant to be. You can use that logic too. I love that logic also. Um, Pat says... This is not the best reason to break the habit, but after working for days and weeks and months clearing my mother's house, I have absolutely no desire to buy anything in a gift store, thrift store, or resale shop. It all looks like clutter. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> 100%. Um, oh, and Colleen reminds us that you can catch and release by taking a picture. It's really helped Colleen to do that. It gives you time to think, and I rarely actually go back and buy. I've gone back and bought three things since January, and now I know that I love those things. So taking a picture can really help with catch and release also. You can catch and release the photo on your phone. <laughs> okay, so that is the thrill of secondhand shopping. Um, the thrill of the hunt. Oh, <laughs> I was talking to my kids about this, and they said, you could just learn how to hunt if you really want to hunt. So I'm going to just leave you on that note. If hunting is really exciting to you, why not learn how to hunt? <laughs> I thought that was a cute suggestion from my kid, right? Um, also, if winning is really important to you, maybe engage in some competitive activities like running or walking or tennis or swimming or Something that will still give you that winning feeling and also um, be really healthy, to, you know, give you some other benefits. So learn how to hunt, engage in a sports activity, um, and don't forget to catch and release, catch and release. And if something is cute, say it with me, can't use this ever, can't use this ever. 
Okay. <laughs> Until next Tuesday. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of It's All Clutter. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure that you like and subscribe. Leave me a comment. Tell me why you love secondhand shopping and if you're going to change anything about your secondhand shopping now. Um, I love you guys and I will see you next week. Bye everyone.